but reflecting on that over the years has made me realize how little we have to fear of death and how much more we should be concerned about having regrets and not following our passions and our dreams because that's all you have when you're about to die you don't have anything else except for your wonderment at was your life worth it Welcome everybody to this week's uh, episode of the Sea as Many Voices, and I'm really pleased to have Paul DeGelder with me from Australia. 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 <laughs> and uh, I'm so happy you joined today. I know you're you're on a run. You're a busy guy, and uh, the purpose of this show is to uh, it, it acknowledges that the oceans and humanity we share the same fate. Is essentially the premise. And the sea has many voices, many voices. It's just anybody that's associated with the ocean in some way or another is part of it. Now, of course, I've got a conservation angle to it, but I don't like to put that in people's faces necessarily. So it's really uh, about you, Paul, and, uh, and me. You know, we'll talk you know, back and forth. But, um, you know, one of the things that caught me about your resume was you're, uh, you're, a, you're a SEAL. You're, you're an a Australian Navy uh, diving seals, is that right? It's, uh, it's not called seals, it's uh, a bit different. We're called clearance divers. Um, Navy seals go into combat um, much more than we would, um, but there is a lot of crossover as well. We do um, uh, EOD, explosive ordnance disposal, uh, on land and underwater. We also do salvage and repairs, um, diving hard hats. We do reconnaissance and attack swimming on the, the pure oxygen rebreathers. We also do um, uh, the, basically the counter-terrorism SWAT teams for the military um, and using the minimum magnetic rebreathers to go deep and search for mines. So it's a pretty multifaceted role. That's what makes it so interesting as well. And I, I love doing it. You know, I was, uh, I did an expedition once for National Geographic to the Celebes Sea. You know where that is? No. Celebes Sea, Sulu Sulawesi. Uh, oh, Sulawesi, yeah, in, Indo. Yeah, right up, right up in that area. It's one of the, there's three, there's three seas in the world that have very shallow sills, but deep centers. Okay. Mediterranean, uh, Sulu Sulawesi, and the, um, Celebes, and uh, interestingly, these these seas have never been exposed to Antarctic bottom water huh. because they're, they're they've been sheltered from it. And uh, I don't know if you know, but the the oceans were warm up until 25 million years ago, right down to the bottom. And the when Antarctica pulled away from South America, it formed that circular current and chilled the water, and we get the circulation that we have today, which makes the oceans so wonderful and the planet livable. And the plan live. I want to come back to that actually because that's what really has got me so worried right now. Is that yeah. Losing all the ice, which <coughs> causes all the ocean circulation. But the point is, we we were in a pretty hot area um, with terrorism down there in that little nook with Malaysia. And Absolutely. We, yeah. We had some Philippine uh, Navy SEALs on the boat with us uh, with 50 caliber machine guns. Yeah, I've worked with those guys. They're pretty good. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, where we do exercises together with the uh, Filipinos, the Singaporeans, the Malaysians, the like multinational forces. Um, very hardcore dudes, very serious. Were they? I seem to recall they were trained by the Americans. Is that right? Most of them are. Yeah. 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 Either the Americans or us or the Brits. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, how did you get into diving? I, I like to kind of people found their way. <laughs> you know, Honestly, I'd never scuba dived in my life until I joined the Navy. Um, but I was brought up around the sea. So my 
My grandfather was a scuba diver, my uncle was a spear fisherman, my dad was a swimming instructor as well as a police officer. So I've been in the water, in the pool, in the ocean since I was two weeks old. Uh, but we moved away from the ocean when I was 10 to the capital of Australia called Canberra. And uh, yeah, spent the next 11 years not spending much time around the ocean. And funnily enough, that's when my life started to take a bit of a downward spiral. We moved to Canberra when I was 10, and you don't get into too much trouble when you're 10, but then you hit 14, and uh, that boyish adventure that you have when you're a youngster turns into um, a desire for even more adventure outside that little safe realm. And so I got picked on and bullied a lot when I was in school. I was short, skinny, face full of freckles, big ears. I was a great swimmer, but I was terrible at everything else, especially football and all those things that bring boys together. Yeah. So I got picked on quite a lot. Um, didn't have a great time through uh, high school at all. I was a self-harmer for a while, um, for about six months because I was so frustrated with, with life and the discipline at my all boys Catholic school and the discipline at home with my policeman father and, and so it all got on top of me and I was, I was cutting my arms up for a while. It felt like that was the only control I had was to inflict pain on myself. And so fortunately I found another outlet um, in kickboxing after that. But then I moved into smoking and drinking and marijuana and fighting in the streets and we were quite poor. We had six people in my family on a, a single policeman's wage. So we didn't have the best of everything. All our clothes were homemade or gifts were secondhand. So I found another way to get it. I'd just go and steal it. And so we were sneaking out the windows at night, breaking into cars. I was shoplifting and it, I was just not a great person at that time. And as I discovered later in life, um, what we focus our attention and energies on expands in our awareness. And so I was self-replicating this very negative lifestyle and it just got worse and worse and worse. Uh, what would you say you said what we focus our energies and attentions on becomes self-replicating? Yeah, basically. Really yeah. yeah. So. And, and this became very evident to me later on when I started living a very positive lifestyle yeah. and everything started getting better and better and better when I stopped trying to please myself and I started trying to help others that would magnify and um, mirror back onto me and my life kept getting better and all these good things started happening to me because of these things I was doing for everyone else and it was, it was so such an awakening. Interesting. Mm. How do you think that works? I mean, I mean, I agree with you. I think positivity yeah. attracts positivity and negativity attracts negativity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you can be the light that you want to see in other people, then that light is going to be replicated. Dark times? Or, or I, not really. I, I've never, ha I didn't, I don't have PTSD. I don't have flashbacks or nightmares or anything like that. I, I don't know why. I sometimes joke that I think I'm just too stupid to realize something's wrong. Are you in conflicts? Uh, military conflicts? Not really, no. I, I do have what's called an ICBM, uh, Infantry Combat Badge, because I was in a war, what was technically classed as a war zone for longer than 90 days. I spent six months in East Timor peacekeeping for the UN, but I never had to fire my gun in anger. The, the biggest... So when you say PTSD, you're talking about personal traumatic stress in your life? From being eaten by a shark. From the shark. Okay. <laughs> We're obviously going to come around to that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know how sensitive you are about talking about it, but that's... Uh, Not at all. I, I'm, I, I, nothing really phases me. 
shark was it? It was a, a nine foot bull shark. So pretty rough day at work. Um, I had transferred from Army Airborne. Um, I, I joined the Army in 2000, transferred over to the Navy to do clearance diver selection in 2005 and was loving it, living the dream, traveling the world with my mates, shooting guns, blowing stuff up, jumping out of aircraft, like every, every big boy's dream. And then I turned up to work one morning, um, seven o'clock in the morning, right in Sydney Harbour to do some counter-terrorism training and got attacked by a, a nine-foot bull shark while I was swimming on the surface. You're in Sydney Harbour. How deep was the water? It was right alongside the big Navy base there where all our warships are berthed. So it's not really that deep. We, we, it's maybe nine metres. Um, we, we regularly work there um, fixing the bottom of the hulls of ships and things like that. So no one had been attacked in 60 years in Sydney Harbour. So it was a pretty low risk area. So just really unlucky. Um, what, can you tell me what happened? If it's not disturbing sure. I don't want to dominate that. I just wanted to get off the table. <laughs> describe the, the event. Um, so I was doing what we call finning. I was in a black wetsuit, had a pair of fins on, what you guys call flippers, and I was on the surface on my back kicking legs, and the shark came up from underneath me, grabbed me by the back of my right leg, and because my hand was by my side, it got the hand as well. And so my hand was pinned to my side. I couldn't fight it off. I tried with my left hand to hit the eyeball, but I couldn't reach. Um, I was going to punch it in the head next, right in the nose, like you hear on Shark Week. But uh, it, I guess my blood had leaked into its mouth and it, it thought that I might be food. So it started to shake me and I never got to throw that punch. Um, and it took me underwater. The, the attack's on YouTube. You can actually watch me being eaten alive. And some of my videos that I have, that like motivational clips that I put on YouTube have the actual surgery photos as well of the bites and things like that. So I, I nearly died. Um, I was drowning, I was in agony. Um, the shark removed the hamstring in my hand and you can't see through the water at Sydney Harbour so we don't know if it was swimming away, whether it was coming back. All I knew was I needed to get to my safety boat where my three mates were waiting for me. So I started swimming back to the boat through a massive pool of my own blood. Yeah, they were coming towards me at the same time and I was swimming with one hand and one leg so I probably wasn't going too fast but um, they, they got to me first luckily, pulled me out of the water and, and just cracked straight into first aid kept me alive until the paramedics got there and then they whisked me off to hospital and emergency surgery. Uh, I went through uh, 150 litres of blood, so that equates to 300 donations. So, you know, you can have the best doctors in the world, but without those 300 people donating blood, I'd be dead. So now I'm slowly repaying that blood. <laughs> wow, Paul, that's a, that's a nightmare that you went through. Um, bull sharks are... Uh they're uh, estuarine shark often, aren't they? You find them along the coastline where there's yeah, they'll water. they can process. They're the only dangerous shark to humans that can cross over from that salt water into the fresh water. Right. Um, they but they exist a lot in the brackish where the salt and the the fresh water meets, and I think um, that they go up there to breed. 
So they, they lay their pups there, there's no predators for the pups, so they've got a greater rate of survival. And I think that's quite evident in the fact that a lot of population, uh, a lot of bull shark populations are growing. So around Reunion Island, as you would know, they have a huge problem with the bull sharks because there's nothing to eat them. And they lay their pups in a safe area where they can thrrive. Um, how, have you, how has that left you feeling about sharks? I mean, I, I, I talked to other shark survivors and uh, what's your what's your take on it? Well, previous, previously I hated sharks. I just thought we should kill them all. Yep. No, I had no education on them. I just figured if we killed all the sharks then we wouldn't have to worry about swimming in the ocean. Yep. And that's perfect outcome. Uh, it wasn't until after the attack that um, because I never, I came out in the media saying I, I didn't blame the shark because I chose a dangerous life. I chose a dangerous job. I, I rode motorcycles. I jumped out of aircraft. I played with bombs and I swam in the ocean. So you can't justifiably get pissed off at something when you've chosen that dangerous path. So it was just a shark being a shark. So I think that struck a chord with a lot of people in Australia. And so whenever there was another shark interaction around the country, the media would come to me. And so out of the necessity of being able to give an educated opinion instead of just an opinion, I started learning about sharks as much as I could. Um, partially for that, but also to, you know, there, there's a saying in the military, knowledge dispels fear. And so I didn't want to be afraid anymore. Um, so I started to learn, I started to dispel that fear, learning about the plight of sharks and how much more they have to fear from us than we do of them. Um, you know, you, you're more likely to get killed on the way to the beach than you are of getting attacked by a shark. So no one's afraid of driving to the beach, are they? No. Yeah, so when you put it into perspective, um, it kind of dispelled a lot of that. And then to add on to that, when you've come as close to death as I have, you learn that death isn't actually that scary. You know, going to your deathbed with regrets in those last moments and thinking, I, I'm not ready to go. I still have so much to do. I have so much to... Did you think about that as you were being... Absolutely. Really? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I had no regrets. You know, from where I started, where, what we were just talking about, being a stealing, fighting, drunk, you know, drug user, to being of service to my country and helping people that can't look after themselves and feeling like I have value and purpose. So you're, I, at, you're at peace. I mean, you, you, absolutely you at peace. I was ready to go. I can imagine, I mean, I can't imagine because I've been through it, but you, you, you saw the end and you said, okay, this is it. Yeah. And you had a sense of you'd done the right things up to that point and you were ready. Yeah, I let go. I was ready to roll off into what what the next adventure was to come. Do you have any spiritual experience? Not really, just the calm. Just the, when I, when I asked myself, are you ready to die? And the attack lasts eight seconds. It's over in an instant, but in my mind, it's, it's very sectional and I can think through every point of it. And I asked myself if I was ready to die. And I thought back to my 31 years and thought, shit, I've lived 10 lives. I've done so much good to make up for the bad. Um, if I'm going to die now, I have no regrets and I'm ready to go. And so I let go, I was ready to just drift off and then um, the shark wasn't attached to me once it had ripped out my limbs and so the wetsuit made me buoyant and I popped to the surface and that was when I realized, shit, I'm not dead. Uh, <laughs> I better get out of here so I don't get bitten again. Um, but 
reflecting on that over the years has made me realize how little we have to fear of death and how much more we should be concerned about having regrets and not following our passions and our dreams that's because that's all you have when you're about to die you don't have anything else except for your wonderment at was your life worth it so this this is this what you tell people I mean, you're telling them now through the podcast but i mean this is part of the message that i like to spread yeah, to get people to understand that they need to start getting uncomfortable to live the life that they're supposed to live. Wow, you are, this is an extraordinary, you're an extraordinary person and you're making this an extraordinary day for me, thank you. And I'm going to take a break and come back and uh, I want to I keep going on this, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. Pleasure, mate.